HVAC 360 is brought to you today by the Site Clean Labor Bot. Job site's always dirty. Can't get anyone to pick up a screw, let alone push a broom. Your prayers have been answered. From the people who have no connection to the Roomba, bring you the Site Clean Labor Bot. This tireless three-wheeled union-approved laborer constantly cleans your job site, steers clear of scissor lifts and supervisors, and tells raunchy jokes upon request. Sporting a high-vis vest and safety glasses for no apparent reason, it docks every night to a charging station that doubles as a Bluetooth speaker during the day. Quantities are limited, so act today and keep grime away. What's up? Welcome back. Matt Nelson here, your host for HVAC 360, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. So how do we do that? We do that by sharing lessons learned from the field and talking to industry experts. Uh, We're going to do the latter this week, but we don't really stop there. I want to encourage you to double down on your weekly dose of HVAC knowledge by hopping on over to HVAC 360 and joining my growing community of people just like you. Uh, Special announcement, I'm happy to say that my membership site is back online. So if you hop on over to HVAC360.com, you can also get access to that. All right. So, what's up for this week? This week, we're going to be talking with ASHRAE President Sheila Hader. Uh, I'm really excited to get a chance to talk with her and bring her message to all of you. You know, if you've been a longtime listener, you know this is really one of my goals is to bring these leaders uh, like Sheila to you, my listeners. Um, As it happens, uh, every year, uh, her presidential term is up at the end of June. She's already been the ASHRAE president for quite some time. And then she gets back to uh, her day job over at the U.S. Department of Energy National Renewable Energy. National Renewable Energy Labs. Um, I think I mentioned a couple of times, I just kind of say, you know, use the uh, little alphabet soup talking about NREL, um, but it is actually the U.S. Department of Energy National Renewable Energy Lab. All right. Well, enough jabbering. Let's cut to the tape with ASHRAE President Sheila Hader. All right, today we're talking with ASHRAE President Sheila Hader. Sheila is a, uh, a professional engineer and also a fellow, uh, a fellow, or a ASHRAE fellow, I should say that correctly, an ASHRAE fellow. How are you doing today, Sheila? I'm doing great, thank you. So I, I got to ask, you know, when I, when I get to talk to people like you, I, I got to ask, what, what got you interested in engineering in the first place? Well, everybody has their own story about how they got into the profession that they're in. But I think a lot of times we are influenced by the models that we have in our life and and those that are around us. So in engineering, um, I could say I was good at math and science and all that. I took toaster apart and all those things that are a lot of times people will say that's why I became an engineer. But my story is a little different. Um, My dad is an engineer. Um, He was a... Um, when I was growing up, he was um, for a while head of the um, facilities at a university, and then he was a consulting engineer for a while, and then he came back to the university and was the director of the Engineering Extension Service, and then rounded out his career as an associate dean in the College of Engineering. And so through him, I saw the engineering profession from, you know, an operate, from the operation side, from the design side from the side of trying to disseminate information to help others make good engineering decisions, and then the education, the academic side. So the whole picture of what an engineer could do, or a big not the whole picture, but a big piece of the picture of what an engineer could do. So I would say that that was a pretty big influence to have somebody like that in my life. And um, the other thing, uh, another part that I think is probably unique is you know every kid when they're going to school and they can't, do the, understand the homework or they don't want to do the homework and, and the parents are saying, but you have to do the homework. And then the kid says, but why, why do I ever need to learn this stuff? My dad would tell me when I was struggling with math in elementary school and middle school and high school, and you know, all of those times when you come home and you have questions and it's like, I didn't want to do it. He would say, well, you have to do this because 
when you take thermodynamics, you're going to need to know this. So I was under the impression that everybody graduated from high school and went to college and took thermodynamics. And I was really surprised when I get to college and learn that the only way you can take thermodynamics is if you study engineering. So I would say that's another thing that kind of led me into that direction. He never said, grow up and be an engineer, but he did tell me I had to learn math because I needed to know it when I took my thermodynamics class. <laughs> so that was, that was kind of <laughs> subtle influence to take mechanical engineering. Yes. I don't even know yes. any other <laughs> engineering you know, curriculum would, would have thermo. Uh, I think you're probably right. That's yes. <laughs> <laughs> a that's a that's interesting interesting way. So so you graduated from college and and you you work for one of the national labs right now. That's that's your kind of yes. your day job. If you put on your take off your yes. ASHRAE president hat, put on your 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 day job hat. You work for yes. uh, the the National Renewable Energy Lab. Um, yes. Similar to some of the other guests that we've had on here. But how did how did you how does one get started at Enroll? How yeah, that's another thing that's a, a story, too. My, um, I actually started working at as, as a consulting engineer when I graduated with my undergraduate degree and um, doing HVAC system design. And after a, a while of doing that, I was just ready for a change. And um, one of my university professors, when I was in the undergraduate program, he um, was on sabbatical at NREL. And when I saw him over the holidays because I, I went to school in the same town where I grew up. So he was in town and I saw him and he said, hey, the group I'm working in is has a position open for a junior engineer. He says, why don't you apply? So I applied and then the rest is history. But I think it all goes back to um, it's, it, whether it's, it's, this is not how everybody gets into a national lab system, but it's about how a lot of people find their 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 career opportunities is through the people that they know. So having a strong network is something that I have valued for my entire career because it's helped me open doors from the very beginning. But that's how I became, that's how I joined the lab anyway. You know, and I, th I think it's kind of interesting because, I mean, at least, you know, when I think of these national labs, I always think of, you know, these like these super smart people that are there, that are there. And it's like, they're all, you know, it, it, nobody just joins the national, well, I should say a few people would join the national lab just as a as a senior person. There are, I guess, there are other other avenues like you're saying that there are junior positions just about everywhere that you can get into mm -hmm. a organization that you might think is is really you know above your um, above your pay grade, above your you know mm -hmm. above your standing. So there's always that opportunity. Just if you if you look for that, um, mm -hmm. you can you can get in there. All right. Yeah. Now, taking off the uh, everyday job hat and putting on your ASHRAE president mm -hmm. hat, um, mm -hmm. how would you describe this past year? I mean, you're coming up to the end of your term. How would you describe mm -hmm. your past uh, year as ASHRAE president? Yeah, it's been a great year. It's, I, I, when, I, um, when you ask this question, the first thing that came to mind is that this year really has been a journey. It's, it's been a journey in as you can define it in so many different ways. I've, I've traveled a lot. So that part, a, a, a literal journey, um, spent a lot of time in airplanes and seen a lot of different cities and locations and, and the people that are there all, all over the world. Um, but it's been more than that. It's, and I think that the part that, that um, I'm going to be really remembering most about this is the people that I met, the, um, the, the fact that no matter where I am in the world, the, the professionals in our industry are passionate about doing the right thing to make the built environment a better place for the occupants of those buildings and to do it in a way that is the most energy efficient and least environmentally impactful as possible. And just having that kind of passion and that dedication to making the world a better place is really, really inspiring. And, and so this journey has helped me recognize that there are a lot of people out there that are working really hard to do good things and that all of them are doing it because they believe that that's the right thing to do. They're not necessarily doing it for fame or glory. And of course, everybody wants a fair paycheck and that sort of thing, but really they're motivated because 
they know they're making a difference and they know they're making a good difference. So it's, it's really been a cool experience. It's, it's so easy without having this kind of exposure to, to seeing the breadth of our professional community that I've been able to see in this past year. It's easy to get into that mindset of just the daily grind that one deals with over and over again on, on their own daily basis. And they forget about everybody else that's also in, in our global community. So um, this journey has helped me meet some of the neatest people I could possibly imagine meeting and inspire me to keep keep working, doing my own part to help them do what they're trying to achieve in making the world a better place. It's been cool. So so what are some of the, I mean, you've, you've got to have some, uh, some neat things that you've done um, you know, throughout the mm-hmm. year, throughout your journeys, any, any highlights that you can share with us, any, any, anything that you, you know, I mean, obviously you're going to come into uh, the presidency with some sort of expectations and then all of a sudden you're going to run into something that so like, yeah. wow, I didn't know we were going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think just, well, it's, it's, especially at the beginning of the year, I think every single day my comfort zone was stretched. And um, so I can probably come up with a long list of, wow, I didn't know I was going to be doing this. But um, it's being in a role where my job this year has been to motivate and inspire the, the members of ASHRAE and professionals in our industry to think about issues in ways that they've not thought about before and, and to own those issues for themselves, to start thinking about why does this matter to me and, and what can I do to contribute to helping our industry advance into whatever that next place is that we're going to be to be leaders, to be technical leaders? That that's, um, has brought with it a bunch of challenges, like walking in a room full of people not knowing that I was expected to give a 45-minute presentation on some topic and then having to do it and do it in a way that hopefully I – Sounded like I was competent and representing the organization well and respectful of the people's time and all those other things you try to do with the presentation. Um, so just things like that happen every day. But at the moment, sometimes it was stressful. And well, I would say not sometimes. It's stretching your boundaries is always, there's always anxiety associated with that. But having the opportunity to do it, it helps, at least it helped me learn a lot about myself and, and help me build my own confidence in what I am capable of doing. Uh, clearly others thought I was capable or else I don't think they would have elected me, but um, it's, it's believing in yourself. That's something that I feel like a different person now than I did a year ago. So I've had a lot of really neat experiences that have contributed to, to the year. It's been neat. So now let's let's dive in a little bit. Um, you know, every president has their own presidential theme. Yours was uh, building our new energy future. Now, tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, so building our new energy future is is to help the ASHRA members in the buildings industry recognize and appreciate that we are at the very front end of an evolutionary change in how we think about buildings as far as the building's role as a dynamic partner with the energy systems that serve those buildings. So um, like take, let's take the electricity sector, for example. There are big changes that are occurring right now in the electricity sector and how we're generating electricity and our abilities to have multi-directional flow of both information and electricity through the infrastructure that we have in place. And the need for um, the, the demand side, which is buildings, to be an integral part of the solutions for making a more resilient and reliable power system overall. And um, on the power side, these changes are happening and they're mobilizing to to adjust to this new paradigm that, the, that they're in as they have more distributed generation on their system and things like that. On the building side, we haven't really done anything yet. On our side of the meter, we still do things pretty much the same as we've done for a long time. But the expectation will be that buildings will become um, that, that they will will become a partner with the with the generation side, and that um, the 
loads, the building loads will be controlled in a way that can respond in a dynamic manner to whatever the needs are on the generation side. So for us as buildings professionals, we need to know this is coming and we need to start thinking about how do we meet the new expectations that will be on our industry in the, in the not too distant future while we're continuing to provide safe and comfortable, healthy, productive, well environments for the occupants. And that's one thing we need to think about. But the other thing is, is we also need to recognize that there are a lot of conversations going on that are impacting our industry and that the buildings industry is not participating in those conversations. So if we continue with this, with this operating mode that decisions could be made that make it more, make it, harder, more challenging for us to create those environments that are healthy, productive, well, safe um, for the occupants um, in the way that, that we know is best. We don't need people that are not informed about the building's environment, the building's industry, to be um, telling us how we should be doing things. We need to be part of those conversations so we understand what it is that the generation side of the meter needs, and then we figure out how we're going to um, adjust the building sector, how we run buildings in order to meet those needs. So those, that's the, the, the point of the theme is to help us recognize what's going on, help us appreciate these changes are happening, and to realize that now is the time that we need to be involved in these conversations. Right now, and and I think that you know at least you know seeing the you know the themes from you know past presidents, this theme seems to be a little bit different than the other ones, um, because you know, like you said, you, it really urges the you know the ASHRAE members and really you know all the HVAC engineers really to focus you know not only on their daily um, on their daily business, but it, just take a a separate focus and focus on something that may be a little bit out of their area of. Uh, competence, you know. I mean, we talk about the electrical grid and 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 how that's being changed. You know, I guess why? And you kind of alluded to it, but you know, why should they really focus on this? What what if they? You know, I guess we could put it this way: What happens if they don't focus on this? Right. Yeah. If it, I'm going to start with why they should and why they could, um, and then we'll say what happens if they don't. The Yes, it is outside of what many people in our industry have, have been thinking about. But buildings consume a lot of energy. On a global scale, they consume about 40% of the total energy that's consumed and about 60% of the electrical energy that's, I'm sorry, yeah, 40% of the total um, primary energy that's consumed, about 60% of the total electrical energy that's consumed. When we just look at the um, power sector, the, the electricity consumption in buildings and developed economies, that number is higher. It's, it's closer to about three quarters of all the electricity that's generated in, in developed economies is consumed by the built environment. And then that number gets even bigger when we look at dense urban environments. So you have, um, um, for example, in Hong Kong, I learned during one of my ASHRAE visits, um, I was in Hong Kong last fall, that 90% of the electricity that's generated in the area, in the region around Hong Kong is, is consumed by the built environment. So we consume a lot of energy. And that means that if anything that's changing on the other side of the meter, if, there, if, there's, if there's an evolution occurring on that side of the meter, we're going to be drawn into it whether, whether we're ready for it or not. And the reason why buildings consume so much energy is primarily because of what us, you know, those of us in the buildings industry as professionals in this industry do with buildings. We're the ones that design the systems. We're the ones that operate those buildings. We're the ones that um, go in and commission and try to understand how we can make those buildings work better. We're, we're the ones that make the equipment that these buildings use. Um, we're, we, those of us that are in ASHRAE in this buildings industry, we're the reason why the built environment is consuming the amount of energy that it does, and which makes us also the ones that are most well suited to find new answers for how could we do it differently if we know what needs to be done differently. And so we have the right answer. I mean, we, we, we already have the knowledge to be able to answer the questions. What we're working on now, and I think when I say we, it's the bigger we across all sides of the meter, both sides of the meter, is that we're still trying to figure out what are the questions that we need to answer. 
um, do we need to understand how do we, um, for example, if, 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 if operating a building so that its loads can be varied in order to match the needs of the infrastructure on the generation side of the meter, we can probably do that through you know, thermal storage systems, through electric storage systems, through um, energy efficiency measures, through architecture of the building. You know, there's all kinds of things that we could do if we know how quickly do we need to adjust our loads, when do we need to adjust them, and that sort of thing. But we already have the knowledge to figure that out. We just need to know what the questions are. And we need to know why we need to be um, making those changes. So we have um, building owners that are saying, okay, yes, I understand. Let's do it that way then. So there's some things that we need to work out. But but being engaged with these conversations will help us do that. And, okay, going back to your question, though, about why why should we care, um, I, I, I'm, I've already explained that we have the knowledge we can do it. But then there's the other side saying, well, what if we don't? What if we just keep doing things the way we've been doing it for the last, in Ashray's world, 125 years now? And um, we, we do a good job. We know how to make buildings comfortable. We know how to have good indoor environmental quality. We know how to do things efficiently. Um, we do a pretty good job. And in fact, we do an excellent job at these things. So why should we be thinking about something in a different way? Well, I come back to the fact that buildings are the number one consumer of the product that's being delivered to those buildings, whether it's electrical energy or thermal energy. And so if there are changes that are occurring on that side of the meter, um, it's going to impact us. It's, it will. I mean, we can't, uh, they're, they, the optimization will occur on the other side to the meter to the point where the last um, opportunity is, is load control in the built environment. And if it doesn't happen to us before then, that's the moment when we will be thrown into the fire, whether we're ready for it or not. And if we don't, then we have the other side of the meter making decisions like, how quickly should a building respond? And is that, even, you know, is it reasonable? Um, if you look at electrical systems again, having a 15-second response rate is a desirable response rate if you're on the power sector side. But we know buildings are challenged to have a shift in a 15-second time interval. Maybe we could do it in 15 minutes. You know, I'm not sure. It, it's, we probably could. But at this point here, we, we need to incorporate some different strategies in how we operate that building in order to be able to do something in a, in a shorter time interval. But if we have somebody on the other side of the meter making decisions, they'll come back and they'll mandate, thou shalt have a 15-second response. Is that the right solution for the buildings? Can that be done in an energy efficient but also cost effective way? Is that can be done in a way that still provides the most comfortable and healthy environment for the occupants of those buildings? There are all these other questions that we on the building side of the meter know are important and know how to resolve. And so if we are ahead of the curve and understand what the issues are and the challenges that we'll be asked to, to address, coming down the pike, then we can find the right solutions now that are best for the occupants, best for the building owner, and still meet the, the needs that will be asked by those on the other side of the meter. Now, I mean, I think the one thing that that, that pops into my head is, is you know, I know, I know that, um, you know, if an owner builds a new building, and then all of a sudden they're approached by the energy provider and saying, hey, you know what, can you do this for me and I'll give you this great rate. And the, and the owner goes, hey, you know, I have a brand new building. I, I should be able to do that. And they turn over to the engineer and they go, can the building do this? And that's the point mm -hmm. when if, if, you're, if you're up with the changes that are happening, you'll be able to anticipate this question coming your way and really answer it instead of having, you know, egg on your face and going, you know, sorry, your building's right. just been built the way we've always built it. Right. Or the other thing that will happen is that those of us on, on the building side of the meter will, will become proficient and expert, even how about how being innovators of, of developing the systems needed on our side of the meter in order to have um, a, a sophisticated building systems that are easy to operate and meet the needs of the occupants 
so that when those requests from the other side of the meter come to us, our building is already there. We don't have to do anything differently. And so we're creating these built environments that are flexible to adapt to the future needs of whatever the external demands to that building are. Um, some other things that we might think about too is it's not just the meter. We have other sectors that are integrating and, and intersecting with the built environment in ways that have not occurred in the past either. For example, if we, as we move towards a more electrified tr transportation sector, that's another area to be thinking about. Right now, most of the vehicle charging ports are the, the, the power that's needed to charge a vehicle. That power goes through a meter that is tied with the building. So um, that means that you plug a car in to be, gener to be charged, a car, a truck, or whatever the vehicle, the bus, you know, whatever the vehicle is. And the amount of, of, of power needed to charge that vehicle is going to show up in the meter reading for the building. And so from a building point of view, suddenly we have a plug load on the building that we've never seen before in, in, in our history ever. And so how do we manage this, this new and emerging plug load in a way that helps us um, manage the overall energy loads of our buildings to our advantage? So instead of just being an uncontrolled plug load, can we tie that into our control systems for other systems in the building, including the HVAC system, so that we can have a package system that is um, that that's, that's, has the minimal cost to the building owners and minimal costing whoever's paying for that electricity, um, be an asset to the infrastructure that is serving that building, that's providing electricity to that building, and be ready for these changes. And these are kind of some questions that we need to be thinking about because our world's changing around us. And the way I see it, the buildings are the center of the universe. Everything comes down to the buildings. We're using the product. We use the energy. We're the place where people access that energy. And yet we are not, haven't so far been very involved with figuring out how is all this going to work in the future? We have other others doing that. We have the energy sector. We have technology sectors. We have other people that are not buildings professionals trying to figure this out. And um, so it's, it's a huge opportunity for us, but it's also a huge risk if we don't get involved. You know, we can't complain. <laughs> it's right. happening. And now it's time. It's like we got to put our voice in there and we have to be part of that solution or else we just need to be quiet and live with whatever happens. Yeah, and that's that. You know, it just, it just, it just, uh, you know, that was that was one of the things that I remember about about your, uh, you know, your um, um, your speech, is that you know, obviously the change is coming. People are making changes. People are making assumptions. People are making rules, um, whether that be you know manufacturers or utilities, um, or even you know government uh, making these rules. <laughs> but you know that without the informed. Uh, guidance from professionals uh, that you're you you probably are not going to end up with the best solution. You're not going to end up with a solution that works for everybody, um, and they're going to miss something that's going to be critical. Yep. So we got to have everybody at the table, like you said. Yeah. Yep. So now your your theme had had three different points. It had you know basically become aware, get engaged, and start now. So how can we start to become aware of the changes that are happening? Mm hmm. Yeah. So I, these are the three parts to solving I, I, this to, to any kind of big problem that we're faced with. We first need to understand what's happening and what are the what are the challenges that we're faced with, whether we are aware of those challenges yet or not. So that becoming aware part is knowing that um, that that there's an evolution occurring. It's beginning to understand why does it matter to buildings? Why is it that we should care and be a part of this? And then building, doing the homework to be, build our own familiarity with um, what, what are the impacts to us. And so um, the becoming aware part is the way to do that. ASHRAE is, recognizes that as an organization, we need to become aware. And certainly our members as individuals need to become aware. So 
we are working to develop um, resources to help all of us build this understanding and to and to be smarter about what's going on and what does it mean to us. Um, we have several um, resources that are available now that we've, we've been working on throughout this society year. Um, there's on the ASHRAE website, you can download a primer, a Building Our New Energy Future primer that lays out a lot of the things that we've been talking about specifically on the electricity sector side of things. Um, what's happening, what's, what does it mean to buildings? What is it that we as the building sector could do to be an active participant in this discussion? That's what's in that primer. We're about finished with um, creating a, a smart grid, an application guide on smart grids to help professionals in our industry know what types of things they need to be thinking about and what steps they need to take in order to um, design and implement and operate smart grid systems in buildings, whether it's a new building or retrofit building. And that guide, that application guide will be published um, in the next couple of months. We're expecting it to be ready to go to publication and right after the ASHRAE annual conference next month. So probably in July is when we'll see it out. We are, um, um, we have created um, some um, short videos that describe what is going on. So short little videos that either an engineer or a professional in the buildings industry can use to help build their own awareness about these issues, but something that they can point their own stakeholders to, to say, here's a resource for you to learn about these things too. So when their clients start asking them questions, say, oh, I heard about smart grids. I heard I just need to have one in my building. I'm not sure what it is, but I want you to do it. And you want that engineer to be able to say, I can help you with that. You don't want the engineer to go, I'm not really sure either, so we're not going to do it. That's that's not, Ashray's not doing a service to the industry if we, if, if, if our professionals say that. We need to be providing those resources, like these little short videos that someone can point their clients to, their stakeholders to, and say, is this what you're talking about? Or that application guide to help the engineer get started in understanding what they need to do and primary. These are the types of things that we're working on. And this is, you know, obviously with, with all these questions, we, you know, I mean, as, you know, since we are primarily just, uh, you know, HVAC engineers, um, it's really not only helping uh, you know, our understanding of the building systems, but it's also trying to, you know, disseminate that information um, even to the electrical uh, community, uh, the electrical engineers mm -hmm. that we're designing the building with to help them understand this more and to, to make sure that mm -hmm. we have a, a complete system that everybody on the team is educated to that. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. So now, uh, as far as, you know, I can understand how this really applies to the U.S. And, 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 you know, most of the listeners here are based in the U.S., but we do have a global, um, uh, global listenership. Um, how does this impact people uh, around the world? I mean, is this something that that you know we're trying to catch up to that they might be ahead of us, or is this something that they're going to end up seeing uh, in the future? Oh, I think this is this is a global challenge. This isn't just a U.S. or U.S. and Canada or developing country. This is a this is happening everywhere, and the the pace that the changes are occurring and how they're occurring, that's what's varying regionally based on what kind of resources are available in order to generate electricity or to provide thermal energy and um, what are the, 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 like the, the proficiency of, of members in the, the buildings industry. Like, you know, some parts of the world you have a more, um, like a, a more experienced workforce than you do in other parts of the world. And so you need to introduce new concepts at different pace. And all of these things impact how this evolution is occurring locally. But when you look at globally, it's happening globally. And why it's happening globally is there's a number of reasons. The And, and this, in my personal opinion, these are some of the reasons why. Um, we're much more aware about the environmental impacts of providing energy to whatever is using it. So whether that's thermal energy or electrical energy and the environmental impacts of, of, of generating electricity using fossil fuels and, and what's that doing to our planet. And so there is a global push right now to have 
cleaner forms of, of, of power generation. And that's changing how we, how we generate that electricity and put it out into the grid. This is also in different parts of the world, making it possible to provide energy to areas of, of individual countries that did not have access to energy before. So instead of having centralized energy production in like say large fossil fuel power plant or a large hydro um, facility, um, usually they're located in higher grounds like in the mountains or something. And so you have a area where the electricity has been generated and then you push it out to the users and, and you get very far away from that centralized generation location. And it's especially in developing nations, it's um, those, that infrastructure is just not there. You have distributed generation, then you can bring the, the generation to the place where that generation is needed. And you can have microsystems that are located throughout an underserved area part of the developing nation. And so we're seeing things change quickly as a result of that. We're also seeing that the world continues to very rapidly become more and more urbanized. I just found some, or just saw some statistics on things like um, the um, that that by 20, what is it here? By 2030, um, the population of megacities, these megacities are anything that's greater than 10 million people, um, that we're going to see these megacities that that 62% of people who live in megacities will be living in megacities in Asia. And then a big portion of them will be Africa and Latin America with only about 10% of those, mega, of those of the population of megacities occurring in North America and Europe. And so we have big cities, you know, the cities are the built environment. And going back to what we talked about earlier, it's buildings that use the energy. And, but we're having it now in very concentrated locations. And, and as these, as these, this built environment is expanding as rapidly as it is. And another statistics is that um, we see that urbanization is projected to result in, in the construction of a building stock. And so buildings are being built right now at the equivalent to that of a city the size of Singapore for every month through 2050. So that now these buildings are being built across the globe, but if you say all the building construction that's happening this month by the end of May, it's enough built environment to equal the size of the city of Singapore. And then another Singapore will be constructed next month and the next month. So. It's, it's a big industry for those of us that are buildings professionals, for those of us that, that think about the systems and buildings and how buildings work. So it's not just in the U.S., not just in the U.S. and Canada, not just in developed countries as, you know, we expanded outside of North America. This is a global thing. And um, ASHRAE being a global organization, it is our duty, not only to our members, but to the industry overall, that we provide the resources that, that our professionals need so they can continue to be successful and make good decisions, but hopefully also help position them to be leaders as these changes are occurring and then our, and our, built, our built environment is expanding. We want our professionals to be able to make the right decisions and to be able to do what they're so mo motivated and passionate to do about making the world a better place. So now that you've you've, you've we've kind of we kind of segue will segue a little bit from from having these professionals having them and giving them the information that they need um, to actually getting the professionals themselves. So here in the U.S., uh, we got schools letting out all over the place. Kids are starting to uh, you know prep for college. They they might have selected them already. Um, so, you know, getting these, this next generation, these, these people are going to really look at, you know, the microgrids and what we're talking about. They're going to really be part of, um, you know, the next phase of the built environment. What would you say to those people looking at, uh, looking at engineering? Um, so they might consider HVAC and, and in building services type of careers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when, when people ask me about, why buildings as an engineer? I just, I'm, I'll admit I'm passionate, just like all the people I've talked about earlier and that I'm biased towards ASHRAE, but 
I believe if you're going to make a difference and you're going to make the world a better place, that this is the industry you need to be in. Because not only are we making it possible for the occupants of the built environment to be comfortable and safe and productive and well, but the decisions we make are having such a big impact on the greater health of our planet because of the amount of energy that we consume and all of the implications of consuming that energy. So if you want to, if you want to save the world, there are lots of ways that we can do it. We can recycle. We can make sure we're not running the water more than we need it. We can um, take the bus instead of driving a single occupant vehicle, or we can do all of those things. But if you want to do it in your profession on an every day and make a difference and make this world truly a better place, buildings is the place to do it. And it, 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 I find that because I have, I have kids too that are in high school and college and, and so I'm familiar with at least with their social circles. And, and I find that the kids that are leaving, leaving their high school, going on to college, studying in college, graduating from college and wanting to make their mark in the world really do want to try to try to, try to, to, to turn around the mistakes that we've made in our previous generations and, they want, they want to make sure they're doing right. And being a buildings professional is a really cool way to do that. Excellent. So now, obviously, if, if, if they get into, you know, I mean, obviously, the part, the part that kind of, you know, uh, I don't know if it necessarily bugs me is the, is the right word. But, you know, it's, it's certainly one of the concerns that I have is that, you know, by going into college, I took thermodynamics, but I had no idea this was in this industry was out here. You know, how do we make the HVAC industry and the building services industry really more, uh, more front and center? Um, yeah. For the mechanical. Yeah. Unfortunately, we only become front and center when something goes wrong, <laughs> when somebody's not comfortable or um, the somebody's air conditioning isn't working on the hot day, that's when they think about us. They don't think about us when things go right. So how do we become front and center? That's a good question. I, I think we need to talk more about ourselves. I think I, it's, we don't do a whole lot of self-promotion. We don't, to put it simply, things like you know, who else is in the buildings industry? So, for example, you have an architect, and you look at a building, and it makes a, an, an, an artistic statement and you're like, wow, an architect did that. Maybe I want to grow up to be an architect because I can make artistic statements. But did that artistic statement also contribute to the performance of the building and the ability for the, um, um, the building to provide those comfortable conditions for the occupants or, or what, you know, whatever? Because building occupants are mostly people, but they can also be animals or industrial processes or plants or whatever. You know, so all of these things have special needs. And that's what we think about. So, so how do we tell the world that you have this beautiful art, artistic statement that's the building itself, but part of that art is what we don't see. And that's what makes us wanting to be in that space and being happy in that space and productive in that space, or if you're plant growing well in that space or, you know, whatever the, the, the occupant is. So um, I think we need to, we, we need to keep, Telling the world about it, we can tell each other all the time. But we already know, and we're pretty good at that. I, and within the ashray world, we we tell ourselves we're doing a good job, and and we should be proud of the work we're doing. We need to have that conversation outside. And um, so, going beyond your question, just how do we get students to think about it, but thinking about how do we build recognition for the work that we do, that um. It's going to require that we step outside of the boundaries of our own comfort zone in the buildings industry and, and form relationships and partnerships and collaborative um, efforts with non-buildings industry entities, um, experts, professionals, other, other sectors. And so the questions that you've been asking me so far are kind of related to that to say, why does this matter to an HVAC engineer? Why should a student think about that? If these are the things that are saying, how do we get our, the boundaries of who we are to be recognized outside of 
those of us that are already here. And so one of the things ASHRAE has done this year is we've worked to um, to begin to identify who should those partners be? Who should we be working with in order to address some of these challenges and to answer some of these questions? And um, I'm really I'm really excited to say that we have already signed several new memorandums of understandings with organizations that are not not just by default in the building's world. They're outside of our world. And we have several others that are in the works um, with organizations that that are whose space may more be more focused in the utility area or working um, with organizations that um, are addressing challenges facing cities and municipalities to start thinking about how can the built environment play an important role in what they're trying to achieve. Um, and, and But we're looking for how do we expand because if we don't get the word out and have other people recognize that we're the experts and we're the ones that know what happens behind those walls of that beautiful artistic building, that their questions aren't fully going to be answered. So taking those steps to, to go beyond our boundaries is one of the things that ASHRAE is working very hard to do right now. Yeah, you don't want to be caught in the situation where, where you, could have, you could have helped or solved a problem, and they go, why didn't you say something? Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. Because huh? we're engineers. Or, or something happens, and people say, why didn't they include us? Well, they didn't include us because they didn't even know we existed. Yeah. Their air conditioning was working just fine those days. They were all in their conference room brainstorming about stuff. They didn't even think about us, you know. So um, we need to make sure that they realize we're, we are, they need us. And that um, if we just wait for somebody to come ask for our help, it's going to be a slower process than if we put ourselves out there and start helping that, helping the rest of the world recognize that, we are a really important and an essential part of the solutions that we need to learn how we need to define. So now there are a few people, a few students out there that, uh, you know, that are, are, you know, proactive. They want to engage with, uh, with our industry, engage with ASHRAE. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously there are student chapters out there, but I, you know, I think they're just, Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of them are few and far between. They do great, you know, they do some great work and they're, you know, it's an excellent resource. But I don't think that there's just mm-hmm. enough out, you know, en- enough of them out there. How else can students mm-hmm. really engage with our industry, with ASHRAE? Um, okay. Well, I'll start out by saying how can students engage in ASHRAE? They don't have to be a member of a student branch because um, you're, you're right, the student branches are typically at universities with buildings, programs, and um, but not at all universities with buildings programs. But you don't. But a student can be engaged without being a member of a student branch. So all they have to do first is join ASHRAE, which we make it really, really attractive for students to join ASHRAE. We have a a, a very low ASHRAE student member rate. And from that, they can receive benefits from being an ASHRAE member. But one of the things they can do once they're members, they can then apply for scholarships and grants. ASHRAE last year gave out nearly $170,000 in student grants and scholarships. Um, The scholarships, of course, were just checks. Then that went towards paying for their college education. But the grants um, for both undergraduate and graduate students help to support the cost of doing the work that the students are pursuing in order to complete their degree requirements. And so um, say a, a graduate student has is doing research either for a master's program or a PhD program, and they need funding in order to support the research that they're doing, they can apply for grants through ASHRAE. And um, the cool thing is, is I've had several students, there's several people that had at some point in their student careers received support from ASHRAE, whether it's from a grant to help the research or through scholarships that have approached me during the year to say that um, they joined ASHRAE because they wanted to apply for the opportunity to receive these funds. And then once they received these funds, they became more aware about the depth of the, the breadth and the depth of the work that ASHRAE does in the buildings industry. And they said it gave them a whole new perspective about the opportunities in this profession. And that they were really grateful for having that exposure, which, um, Hearing stories like that is 
it's, it's pretty neat to hear it. It's one of those things that kind of gives you a little bit of goosebumps when you're like, wow, you know, Ashray changed their life and they're happy about it. And this is really cool. But um, so that's one way students can become involved. You don't have to be at a university with a student branch, just join Ashray and then you can apply for um, the grants and scholarship programs. There's also um, competitions that students can participate in, student competitions um, they, that ASHRAE offers, but there are also competitions that are offered by other organizations too. For example, here in the U.S., the U.S. Department of Energy offers student um, competitions that are related to the buildings industry um, that the students might be interested in participating in that gives them an, a reason to learn more about the industry as they're preparing for the competition submittal. But then as they participate in the competition, they, they build a network of other students who have similar interests. They start to begin to meet the professionals, some professionals in the industry, like people who may be jury members that are judging the submittals or organizing the competitions and things like that. So competitions is a really neat way to, to not only build your knowledge, but also to get a whole bunch of other benefits like networking, um, presenting, um, doing presentations and paper writing and, and getting your name out there if it's a published presentation and, uh, so that now others are beginning to recognize you as a contributor in our industry. So I would suggest that too as another way. And then another way to that students could think about becoming involved is go after those summer internship programs or just summer internship in anything related to this field. Like, like, like many technical fields um, in, 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 at this point of history, when we have a strong economy, we don't have enough people in the buildings industry to do all the jobs that we have to be done in the buildings industry. And so finding, um, asking for internship opportunities, students may be surprised at how many are out there. They just have to ask for them. So, um, going to the to their local communities and saying who are the consulting engineering firms, who are the manufacturers, who are the installers, who are the people that are that are constructing these systems, or who are these people that are operating them? Any piece of our industry, and begin to search for internship opportunities. If it's likely that there'll be um, a lot more doors that a student knocks on to say, hey, you know, I'm interested in working here. And the, and the response will be, gosh, we'd love to have you, but we don't have anything open right now. Yes, that will happen. But every time you ask, what's happening then is, is, is the student is, is building a recognition that they are interested and that they're a go-getter. And somebody might say, yeah, I don't have anything right now, but you should call so-and-so. And it's that, but you should call so-and-so opportunity that, you never, never know what it's going to lead to. So it's just being brave, saying, okay, I'm going to make that first phone call. I'm going to call that consulting engineering firm. I'm going to say, I want a summer internship. Do you have anything available? And that's a really cool way because that gives you some experience while you're going to school, some real-life industry experience. Yeah, and I, I think that even, even I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we like to be on, as you know, as, as you know, in, in the, the – um, firms that I've worked for. We like to be as on the ball as possible. But realistically, you know, it's it's like we need help, but we even forget to ask for it, which is it's right. it's not always advertised. So if you do make that, um, you know, saying, hey, you know, do you have any summer internships? You might ask, the person you might ask goes, hmm, maybe we should have one of those. And then, you know, yeah. let me get your name and number and I'll, I'll you know, see, we'll see what we can do. You know, it's... Yep. Yeah, we're we're just terrible about you know it's it's nothing that's you know set in stone. There's a lot of a lot of organizations that just don't don't have that internship uh, process really defined. But they they really do, like you said, they they need uh, people to get involved. They like to be able to evaluate you know talent that's going through the system now and and saying, hey, is this somebody want to want to inter- want to uh, retain after graduation? Yep, exactly. Well, we've covered a lot of great stuff here, Sheila, and I really appreciate you talking with us. Any any last thoughts that you'd like to leave us with? I have a few here, just to based on our conversation, some things I've been thinking about as we're going through. So one is this follows up with what we were just talking about, whether it's a student or it's a, a someone who is a 
graduating from college and they're ready to start their careers, I recommend that becoming engaged in a professional organization that's related to your field of interest is valuable no matter who you are because it helps you stay connected to the ideas and the strategies and the cool things that are coming our way outside of the immediate work group, but it also helps build the network that is going to be valuable to an individual in so many ways, whether it's finding a new job or it's ask, answering a question that, that can't be answered by the people that are in the immediate work group or, um, you know, who knows what a network can provide, but it's, it's, it's huge. And so that professional, getting involved with professional organizations, I think, is something that all of us should be thinking about doing, no matter what our professions are. But then just in more general terms, um, why should somebody want to be a buildings energy professional? And I explained why I think they want to be. I think it's because it's, it's, it's how we can make a difference in this world, how we can do right to the, to the people in their day-to-day lives, but also do right to the planet. And it's, it's, it's a really good place to have impact. But you can probably also tell when I answer that question that I have a lot of passion. And thinking about, again, what, what is it that, that will make somebody happy? And it's, it's always following your passion. If your passion is to save the planet, follow that passion. And there's a good chance it will lead through the buildings industry. It may lead somewhere else, but we... Um, Following your passions is how people are going to be happy and, and, and really do make a difference and leave their mark in this world. So that's, that's something that I, I also try to recommend to people when they're asking me, what, what should I do with my life? And I'm like, well, what is it that you're trying to achieve? Don't tell me what kind of job you want or what kind of um, place you want to work. Just say that big picture. What is it that you want to do? With, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? What is, where do you want to, to, to see. And I, I still ask myself that question. Here I am midway through my career and I still say, what do I want to be when I grow up? What's next? What is that next thing that I want to contribute to, to be proud that I've spent my time being a part of it? And um, and that having that kind of passion and, and following it is what leads to the interesting new opportunity. Um, and then finally, just enjoy the ride. It's a fun trip. I started out, you asked me, what is it that, um, you know, describing my year as ASHRAE president, and I think I said it's, it's been a journey, and it really has been a cool trip, not just this year as ASHRAE president, but my entire career that has helped me get to here, the people that I've met, and the things that I've been able to learn um, has been amazing. So just enjoy the time and know that we're doing the right thing. All right. Fantastic. Well, uh, Sheila, again, I appreciate you. Um, thanks for your service to Ashray, and uh, thanks for talking with us, spending a little bit of time and talking with us here on the podcast. Well, thank you. This has been fun. All right. Thanks again to Ashray President Sheila Hader for taking the time out of her busy schedule to come chat with us. Uh, check the show notes for a couple of things that she mentioned uh, during the interview. We're going to hook those up there. You can find those show notes over at hvac360.com slash 129. All right. Thanks so much for listening. I hope this was helpful. If you want to know, if you know somebody who needs this type of information, go ahead and pass this episode along. If you're not a subscriber, again, continue joining the community or consider joining the growing community of people just like you over at HVAC360.com. And if you're uh, so interested, go ahead and join the membership uh, as well. So lastly, uh, it would do a ton of good leaving me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. And also, if anybody uh, would jump over to YouTube on the YouTube channel for HVAC360.com, just hit subscribe. Whether or not you listen to it there or not, um, I really would appreciate it. Either way, uh, really helps spread the word of HVAC360. So... That's a wrap for this week. I'm Matt Nelson, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. And as always, know what you build and share what you know.